I love the playoffs. Anything can happen. But the best part? It's like bonus football. And bonus football means betting bonuses with Gambit DC. For a limited time, get up to a 57% multi-sport parlay boost on the Gambit DC app, online, or at any Gambit DC retail location throughout the district. It's the most exciting time to be a fan. So make your play and get the home field advantage with Gambit DC. Limited time offer, terms and conditions apply. Please buy responsibly. 16. Rejuvenate. I think I'm paleo, but with rice and potatoes and red wine and chocolate. There's paleo and keto and inflammatory AIP. Mediterranean vegetarian candida whole 30 gluten-free. And some say eat more fat. And some say eat more meat. So how come it's impossible to know just what to eat? If I want to cut out carbs, keto is a fit for me. If I want to heal my gut, I should sure try AIP. But if I can't eat cheese or wheat, maybe paleo's the key. So why is it so friggin' hard to find something to eat? Too many choices. Too many decisions. Everywhere I look, there's another book, another scheme. Another scheme. Too many choices. Too many selections. Can't somebody just tell me what to eat? Avoid sugar, avoid alcohol, corn syrup, and caffeine. Avoid grains, legumes, dairy, GMOs, nightshades. Avoid processed foods, additives, trans-fat corn and soy, and eggs and nuts and seeds. And after that, what's left to eat? Vegetables. Eat lots of vegetables. Eat the rainbow. How much is too much fruit? What if I can't stand fish? So is there a diet just for people with MS? According to this, I'm a lacto-over-vegetarian. Maybe I should go vegan. So what do they call someone who is gluten, dairy, sugar, meat-free, but eats fish? High maintenance. Too many choices. Too many decisions. Everywhere I look, there's another book, another scheme. Another scheme. Can't somebody just tell me what legumes and fruits and nuts and seeds and eggs and fish and grains? Can eat them all if I recall, if I go Mediterranean. But oh, good God, this really hurts my brain. Oh, here's yet another way, another diet, another craze, completely contradicting what the last one just conveyed. And now bad fats are out, and good fats are so in. But how much coconut and avocado can you really binge? Too many choices, too many decisions. Everywhere I look, there's another book, another scheme, another too many choices, too many selections. Why can't it be easy to get what my body needs? Too many choices, too many decisions. Can't somebody just tell me what to eat? I can tell you to drink more wine. There you go. <laughs> I tell you what, um, I think we all know that feeling, especially if you're going through changes in your body, um, dietary changes that you need to make for your health. Maybe it's autoimmune, oh, gluten, uh, all those things. Uh, so we're very excited to have our next guest on today's Big Blend Radio Champagne Sunday show. It is award-winning singer-songwriter Aity. That's her nickname, but her real name, her real name? <laughs> Can we even say real name is Lisa Snyderman? Uh, she is joining us to talk about her brand new audiobook, The Grieving Project, a moving journey through 14 stages of gr- grieving and thriving. You're not allowed to just survive, apparently, 
you, you need to thrive and enjoy life. And so maybe you do get to have avocado toast. But I encourage you to go to her website. It's alightinthedarkness.info forward slash the grieving project. Uh, so very good to have you back on the show, Lisa. That is so well done. Oh, my gosh. Fun. But it, it is National Clean Out Your Refrigerator Day, so I think you came on the wrong, the right day, right? Just the wrong refrigerator door. That's how it is. I felt like we're in a casino listening to that. Hi. Hey. I didn't know if I was supposed to talk yet. Yeah, you can. Hello. You can Thank if, you. if you want to. If you, if you want to. No. Yeah. I oh. love that. I love that. It was, it was so much fun. It is really interesting because, you know, some people will, it's like a sing, a single, you know, from their latest album. And without really understanding what this whole project is, it's kind of interesting, you know, to just play a snippet. Um, but yes. really, uh, it does give a little bit of a sense just that, that uh, all the choices that we have to make. And in that particular moment, I was really feeling overwhelmed, you know, when I was thinking about writing it. And I thought, wow. We all go through that overwhelm of trying to decide, you know, what mm-hmm. to eat, uh, whether or not you deal with illness. So that was just an aside about the song, yes. Yeah, no, that was that was super fun. But it does, it feels like a, a casino game when you push the wrong door, you know what I mean, mm-hmm. the wrong refrigerator door. Yes. <laughs> you know, the so price funny. is right. No, I know. That's, it's awesome. It's got like a nice uh, New Orleans vibe to it as well. But you were on our show before. Um, you've done summits. I was talking about you at the beginning of the show, summits, <laughs> wellness summits, of, you know, people moving forward, you know. Um, and you were also on with your memoir, A Light in the Darkness. And it's just amazing your journey. You keep moving forward, keep going, <laughs> okay, we're going to keep healing and getting better and better at this. Journey. Yeah, it's very interesting that you know that because really what I feel like lately, so I've lived with a rare autoimmune disease. And for folks that are listening, it's called dermatomyositis. Don't worry if you can't pronounce it. <laughs> it's basically a rare progressive muscle weakness autoimmune disease. And I've lived with it for more than 12 years while obsessively mm-hmm. creating to express and heal. And it's interesting that you note these other projects because this is sort of the first time I feel like that I've integrated my illness journey into the art and music. When, when we first connected and you were sharing some of my other projects, it was kind of in the vein of expressing and, you know, fantasy musicals and all kinds of cool stuff, but it wasn't mm-hmm. really talking about my illness journey and bringing that into, into the experience and then trying to help others you know, thrive. So what I realized in all this time through creating albums and musicals and films and writing and adapting my memoir into an audiobook and even through hospital stays and infusions and as you noted running a, a two weeks online summit to help others, I forgot to grieve. Mm. And I'm pausing there because that's a big realization. And I also, you know, I realized maybe I didn't ever need I didn't realize, I should say, I didn't need to grieve an illness because it's not like I was feeling like I lost a loved one, except that mm. that's actually what happened. When you, you know, think of people who live with chronic illness, we actually did or do lose people we love because we lose ourselves. Mm. And I realized that there was an opportunity through music to heal myself, but also empower others who may have also forgotten to grieve. And that was part of the genesis. The other part was 
when I was going through infusions, and this is during the fall of 2019, I had monthly infusions dealing with a flare that I had of my disease. And I played Keep Shining, which you might remember as an animated mm-hmm. video that I created that shares yes. my story with illness and disability and also uh, my recovery. And when I shared it with a nurse, she was telling me that my video and song could help patients that maybe otherwise wouldn't have been able to access their feelings, that, you know, that that could help them get in touch with their feelings around their illness. Um, and that impact stayed with me, that something awesome. that I'm doing can help others maybe access their feelings. Sometimes it's really hard to talk about how we feel about our illness. You know, people I, ask me yeah. all the time, how do you feel? How are you doing? Um, and that can be a hard question to answer when you know that you don't, there's no cure. It's not like, you know, you're going to say, they want you to say I'm better because they want you mm. to be better. And it's always well-intentioned. But so it, anyways, this was something that stayed with me and sparked the creation of this thing that I called the greeting project. And in December of 2019, I had this idea I shared with my producer that I called Thrive. And all I knew is I wanted to share my feelings and emotions around my story and help others access and, you know, process loss from illness. And I thought about this in terms of creating a spoken word audio book that would be 14 tracks. That I, I thought of it naturally as grieving, except that I'm such a positive person and I didn't stop there and I didn't want to stop there you know so mine is not just that stages of grief but also coming out the other side which Mm. I call these stages of thriving and you know when you talk about the summit and all these other projects that I did it sort of that helped me think about what all of these different things are that help us thrive once we're through these stages of grief but first I had to allow myself to plunge into the, the grieving because I had never done that it's really mm. easy. Let me put it this way. Yeah, because you're behind. a go-go person. You're a go-go person. So I'm a go-go. Go. Yeah, yeah, you're it's a go-go, and you're still go-go. go-go. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's not only a go-go to me. It is a, um, It is a. oh, my gosh, I'm hiding behind my artist persona for so long. So you can, you know what I mean? You introduced me as a ED. It's like it's hard to tell the difference between, like, where that artist persona is and where leaks. Or you know my personal is because they're both your real name the, by the way. <laughs> yeah, they're both real, right? Yeah, they're so cute. But no, the the feel like how I feel is like it's the feeling of there are these dual personas, and they're both happening. Except that my public side is always like, oh, I'm showing all this creativity ground. I'm going through infusions, you know, or mm-hmm. I have to deal with this darkness and this stuff that I don't want to even confront. And the reason I share that is because by grieving, that is like accepting all of it. And I've been at this place lately where I'm like, yes, and. You've probably heard this from like theater techniques where mm-hmm. you kind of, you acknowledge what's happening and, and you add something. So in my case, it might be, yes, I'm sitting at, you know, an infusion in the hospital and Alice is, you know, licking my, my hands you know, or yes, I'm really tired today and, and had to cancel some appointment or whatever, and the sun is shining, you know, so that you're not, you're, you're acknowledging that both happen. And I think right now, while everybody is going through grieving, that that's very timely, 
you know, and that this project, in fact, extends beyond those of us struggling with chronic illness because, you know, we're all shaken by so much and we're grieving for family and friends and our world and normalcy and, you know, our jobs and, like, everything. Um, so for me, what's interesting is what began as a project to grieve my illness transformed into grieving, you know, through, during COVID and finding meaning through creativity. I agree. I agree. You know, it's um, it's interesting because the world is – everybody's handled it in different ways. And I remember you were on the show at the beginning of the year, too. Well, June, actually. Yeah, you were June. Um, but at the beginning of the year, as soon as COVID happened and we were sheltered in place for three months in Joshua Tree at our friend Jerry's place. Um, yeah. yeah. And um, we just started doing shows. And people were cool. It was like, hey, we can connect. We didn't know – I mean, we're still moving forward in this doldrums, you know, of this. But – um you know people missed hugging and there was there is there is something about letting go and acknowledging to let go because you can't heal from a loss until you acknowledge the loss you know it when the first stages of losing someone you know when someone dies you go through these stages of anger you go through stages of no it didn't happen that's bull mm-hmm. um i remember nancy got into a car accident when we first got back to this country and i was real young i was like 20 and 1920, she got in a car wreck, a, car wreck, a big one, and um, broke her sternum. All of these things happened. She even floated up. You flo- you got out of your body and <laughs> I saw did. herself. I went to the top of the ambulance and looked down. I know. I'm like, hey, wait a minute. Wow. Up here. I know. It was this crazy yeah. thing. And yeah, this yeah. lady calls me up and says, your mom's in a car accident. I said, that's not funny. Don't lie. And I hung up on her <laughs> as an, an, an uh. immediate response, right? Because, again, I'm also like you. Go, go, go. And there, there's this brushing aside, and then you have to, it's that thing. That's why we drink more wine sometimes than we should. It's because we don't want to deal with that, you know. And you've got yeah. to grieve, let go of what was so you can create what's new. I had to deal with the fact Nancy was in a car accident, but once we got her home, she had the giggles, and then I had to leave because I made her hurt, like, yes. from the giggles. Um, not good. You can't have giggles <laughs> and broken sternums. It doesn't nope. work. But, <laughs> <laughs> but but the, that's the thing about this whole grief thing. Grief comes in so many ways. It could be a loss of someone. It could be disease. You know, I've got a friend right now who's going through breast cancer, and you're going to grieve over things going away, whether it's your hair, maybe it is your boobs. You know, it's um, all of those things you're going to have to say goodbye to, but know that if something, once something is gone, it opens the door for something new. And I think that's beautiful with what you've done is, you know, and go through like the crap, having to go to the refrigerator and go, I can't eat this, but I can't eat that, and, you know, all of that. Like, what is it today that I'm supposed to do? You know, so you're going through that yeah. whole step after step and, you know, the chaos of it all. Yeah, I, I mean, I definitely agree. I think it's hard. Everybody is going to deal with grieving or not deal with grieving in different ways, mm-hmm. meaning even if you, you are grieving, there's no road map even though, you know, even though there are things like what I, I took the stages of grief and I adapted them from Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, who some of, you know, some of you may know is sort of coined for the five stages of grief. Um, and I took those as a starting point and then added, you know, the other two stages um, that are often included in, in grieving. Um, but there is no, it's, it's a roller coaster. You know, there, it, it's like we're always 
going back and forth between these things and that there there is no actual, you know, roadmap or uh, way that we're supposed to grieve. Um, mm-hmm. And so I envisioned, you know, these stages and then I came up with new stages based on my own journey and interviews with artists who battle illness and, you know, as well as all my summit speakers. And I, I kind of realized there were these strategies and practices around topic areas that were very relevant to those of us that deal with chronic illness like meditation and mindfulness and yoga and exercise and nutrition, as, as you kind of saw. And I thought of them in terms of these key stages on the road to thriving to come up with these new stages. Um, so I guess, you know, what I'm saying is I feel like grief isn't linear, you know, it's not sequential. And there's also a really beautiful thing in my, my album, which is the cover. So if you see hmm. the cover, I you see that. a very messy, it's a beautiful, messy spiral in this album hmm. artwork. Um, and there's, there's a- 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. 92% because of a bike? Not just bikes. We also make treadmills and rowers. Oh, let me guess, for elite athletes only, right? Nope. It doesn't matter if you're an avid exerciser or new to working out. Peloton can help you achieve your fitness goals. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try Peloton bikes, tread or row, risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. 92% because of a bike? Not just bikes. We also make treadmills and rowers. Oh, let me guess, for elite athletes only, right? Nope. It doesn't matter if you're an avid exerciser or new to working out. Peloton can help you achieve your fitness goals. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try Peloton bikes, tread or row, risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. A couple of things that are notable about this. One that the project was not just an audiobook. It actually extended beyond the music and went into the artwork. The person cool. with um, who, the artist responsible for this is Jasmine Raskis, and she also has a chronic illness called EDS, Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome. And, uh, and her perspective was so interesting. I found a painting of hers that I felt like embodied uh, the grieving, you know, the process, this really messy spiral. And at that point, she wanted to have something that could tie it to the album more. And Mm. so we had this idea that she would go in and paint her grief. So the whole, the 14 stages I was mentioning, she painted 14 individual paintings and then shrunk them to symbolize each of the stages of grief and put the, integrated them into the original painting. Wow. So what's and really cool, now that you know like that, DNA. when you go back to the artwork. It's like yes. DNA. When you look at it, it's like yes. DNA just went, oh, yeah, I'm going to do this, baby. I'm going to a disco. This is cool. Exactly. Like, so but hearing that, now when you look back at the artwork, you'll start looking and seeing these little squiggles and seeing these That's little cool. things. And on the project page, you can actually flip through all of all 14 stages that she painted um, why I mention it is that there, this project became something that was so much bigger, you know, than, than we imagined. Each of the voiceover artists also had experience with chronic illness. That was very important to me because I didn't want somebody who didn't understand um, and, and couldn't authentically, you know, speak to mm-hmm. to be voicing these characters. So I created four characters, myself included. And I had each of them um, struggle and, and, you know, come to terms with their, their life 
after diagnosis, so to speak. So it's a loose story, but not a story because this is, you know, mostly getting at the underpinnings, which is the emotions of each stage. Uh, incidentally, I'm right now looking at adapting this to a musical because I mm. actually feel, you know, the theatric, yeah. theatrical qualities of it by, by listening. Yeah. And I've been told, you know, feedback that it actually really plays as a musical, you know, and they could hear that as something on stage. Mm-hmm. So That's the first thing that, I heard um, that to me, it, that it was of a musical, uh, musical quality, like quality, quality. Yeah. And, and just even um, the music, um, you know, just the, the one with the, you know, the, what can I eat? You know, it's like New Orleans mm-hmm. procession, like in your refrigerator going, ha ha. You know, it's all those like happy Joker demons are there. And but the quality, <laughs> like you said, it really could be a stage play. And it's something that I think would be also very important for the youth. And also it's kind of for those going through issues, right? And I mean, we all have mm-hmm. issues, so, you know, but an illness you need something that's going to make you laugh and identify and be quality, not, you know, there's no half-assing around in this, which you never do. And I really appreciate that. You have integrity to your work. But I think for especially youth being able to, I don't know, for all ages, that's what's awesome. But I think for youth, too, there's, there's got to be a way to be able to have them have that connection more than the adult connection that's always kind of gets scary because that means a white coat is coming, you know. It's got it. They have to yeah. have some fun too. They really do. Adults need yeah. it, and so do kids. And I love that you're mentioning. So part of my uh, interest is is the young adult. So the characters that I have are you know anywhere from seventeen to thirties. You know, so they're sort of that young adult. They're still they're still they're adult-ish. You know what I mean? But they're coming at it from being young adult, and that's maybe when they're diagnosed and you know dealing with stuff. And it's that it's that time when it's really hard because you know you're not getting a lot of support uh you know especially if you're you're just on your own or something like that and think about it during covid now you know even Mm. more so right we have more isolation and and more like young adults have different needs now um and young adults with chronic illness even more so you know because or say they're dating you know and having all these issues that they're having to deal with uh and dealing with covid Right. So anyways, this this project was uh, in, started from my own journey. Um, and so I really you know, wanted to have these voiceover actors that were able to speak authentically, you know, to the emotions. Mm-hmm. So, you know, some uh, some of them had illness, like chronic illnesses themselves. Uh, one of the characters, uh, David uh, Francisco, had um, a uh, I'm trying to think was paralyzed from the waist down by a distracted driver. And so he lived his life with chronic pain. But at the same time, he also has, you know, gone on things like American Idol and written a book and done albums. And, you know, he's thriving even while he lived with chronic pain. Um, And he said he was drawn to the project since, you know, it had to do with suffering and finding your way through. So I really wanted the people who just can get it because they've been there to, to voice mm-hmm. that. So when you talk about it. that integrity, or, you know, it's that's why, you know, to me, is also it's the believability because there are also people who get it, you know. It isn't like acting through this. Um, yeah. But I will say this was 
difficult. You know, I've, ha- I've been asked that question on interviews of, like, what was your experience doing it? And, you know, it's cathartic, no, no question, but it, there was, it was difficult. For me, I'm the positive one. I'm the one who's always, you know, posting the, the positive messages and sharing the good things that happen. And yeah. to get into these places, like, there's a track called uh, good, let's, uh, The Good Ones Fly, and it has to do with the anger side. That's what the stage is under. And the whole lyric is all about how, hey, I'm the muse. I'm the one who inspires you, you know. So where do I go when I want mm. to scream or cry? Uh, like, what, in other words, like, I don't have an outlet, and I'm not, I was kind of like bottling it all up for so long. And this was my opportunity to feel it, you know, and experience it and be okay with that. Um, so that that's hard, you know. And that comes into being that, more authentic too, because if you don't take care of yourself, you can't you can't be the muse. The muse has to stay alive, you know, and um, and <laughs> yeah. thrive, you know. So you that that's part of it. You to keep that authenticity and the integrity of it is you have to go through it yourself, you know. Just like you want everyone, the, the performers, the actors, the singers, the musicians, everyone, the art artists, everybody that's involved, you all have to be there through that, and it's. It's hard to document. It's like, you know, it's like, hey, how do I tell people how I barfed? You know, it's like, yes, barf happens, you know, and that may not be a polite, fun thing, but someone's got to deal with the the barf. Someone has to deal with the the <laughs> dirty stuff because it happens, and it's. I think it it has to have humor too, man. You got to have the humor in there, and that's what you bring in too. Is is the humor? That's how do you move forward, right? With with humor. Too. It's it's all of it. It's allowing. Yeah. So for me, there's a couple things that I'll note that you that I'll um, that what you said struck me. One, it's that everybody who came to the table, like we actually did create and record during COVID, and that actually helped mm. shape this project. That's kind of what I was trying to get at. Is from everybody, it would have been a totally different project had we not done this during. March, April, May, June, July, you know, we actually recorded. So uh, I am not at liberty because of my health to be able to go to the studio or Mm. even, you know, to to meet with people. So my collaborations happened all remotely. That's first. And so my producer and I had agreed on, you know, musical references that helped us identify styles for each of these tracks and instrumentation and arrangement and things, tempos, so that I could craft the lyrics. And then my producer was working on all the music, and he worked with members of uh, an ensemble called Orchestra Nostalgico that's based in California and came up at the end of June to record over a few days. But the initial plan was to actually do this in the end of March. But the recording dates had to keep being pushed back because of COVID, and we weren't even sure you know, anybody was going to be able to get to the studio. Um, and mm. so... Then he invited special guest musicians who recorded remotely. And all of our VO, you know, voiceover people recorded remotely because, one, geography, but also the fact that you can't have singers, you know, right now doing recordings in the studio. All of that affects the project, you know. So, like, everybody's grieving, and that also affects how the outcome of the project is going to be. I just find that interesting, you know. It would have been a totally different project if we were in a year that wasn't a pandemic, you know? 
it, it's true, but at the same time, I think, you know, so the music world too. I just, you know, it's so difficult, and musicians are. It's like here, you know, it's it's already hard, you know, create something and then try to market it and get out there, do your performances, but take away that. Talk about the grieving project. I think musicians are grieving more than you know. Yeah. Small businesses are. You know, it's such a, it's a, it's a tough time. However, we've got to move forward. And I know we're going to play Thrive, but before you go, what are you raising your champagne? Are you allowed champagne ever? <laughs> you know, you have some I will raise. I will raise some, just some bubbly water. But um, today I have a few that are on the tip of my, you know, my my mind. I want to say that um, that I'm grateful for Dave, who's my husband. Uh, because he has been the one who has been my provider, shopper, the person basically who's been interfaced with the world because I have been home for so long. And you know my story, and that applies even before COVID. Mm -hmm. So the fact that, you know, it's like sheltering on top of sheltering. Sheltering isn't new for me, so I'm I'm very grateful for Dave. But I'm also wanting to raise my toast today for renewed hope and inspiration for compassionate, capable, principled, eloquent national leaders. I am, mm. I can't even tell you how I felt and how I didn't know that I was going to feel so inspired when I heard acceptance speeches, speeches, sorry, by President-elect Biden and Kamala Harris. I was just blown away by the feeling of hope. And that was really unexpected. Um, I, I just am really looking forward, you know, to being in a just, a, you know, a, a new, a renewed space in that way. So that's what I'm putting my toast towards today. Oh, I love that. Well, toast to you and for shining the light and keeping that light going bright, even though you have to dip down into the duty, you know, to do it. <laughs> we all have to go into the duty land, but we're going to play Thrive, and um, I think that's a great way to close the show because it isn't about just surviving. It is about thriving. So thank you for everything you've been doing. Lisa, everyone, again, it's Lisa Snyderman, also known as Aity, and you can keep up with her. And also go get her memoir, A Light in the Darkness. I think those two should be companion pieces with your audio. Well, you've also got that in an audio book, but go get The Grieving Project, A Moving Journey Through 14 Stages of Grieving and Thriving. You can go to alightinthedarkness.info. Find it there and uh, everything else that Lisa's working on, too. I know you've got music coming up, too. And and next year, I know we'll be chatting with you again uh, on that. So, everyone, here it is. Thrive. Thank you so much, Lisa. You take care. Thank you for having me. Take care, everybody. See you again. 22. Thrive.
92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. 92% because of a bike? Not just bikes. We also make treadmills and rowers. Oh, let me guess, for elite athletes only, right? Nope. It doesn't matter if you're an avid exerciser or new to working out. Peloton can help you achieve your fitness goals. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try Peloton bikes, tread or row, risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com home dash trial.